0: Welcome back to Attorney Time, the legal podcast for the business-minded,
1: hosted by attorneys at the law firm Holly Troxell. Attorney Time brings legal expertise to you. In each episode, Holly Troxell's team of experienced attorneys will cover a broad range of legal topics,
0: from intellectual property and patents to tips for startup companies. Hey, Christopher, would you like to hear a joke? Yes, I would. (laughs) Okay, what do you call a group of Karens?
1: I don't possibly know.
0: <laughs> you call a group of Karens an HOA.
1: How to make friends <laughs> and annoy people.
0: Oh, okay. So, uh, Christopher, tell us who you are.
1: Um, I am Christopher Cook, a associate attorney at Holly Troxel, and I practice in the firm's corporate and real estate practice groups. Um, probably 60% corporate, 40% real estate. And uh, I'm here with Amy Knight.
0: Yes, and I am also at Holly Traxel and in uh, the real estate group, a little bit of corporations, some banking as well, also alcohol licensing. I don't have a good percentage breakdown on that though, but I appreciate your exactness on that. (laughs) But uh, I think we have come together today to talk about talk about a group of Karens,
1: aka HOAs.
0: HOAs. Dun dun dun.
1: Well, I think we, in our practice, we get a lot of questions from homeowners. We do a lot of work with developers. We also do quite a bit of work for actual HOAs themselves yes and so I think the goal here uh, today of this podcast is to not necessarily pick any one side of the coin there but give some general overview of of HOAs and some common questions I think and hopefully some examples that come up uh, in connection with HOAs uh, in Idaho
0: yeah that sounds good to me I I uh, I guess I have a personal question for you. Then, do you live in a home?
1: I do live in a home.
0: <laughs> okay, good. I hope I'm not getting too personal there. Are you Are you in a homeowners association?
1: So, I I do own a home. Um,
0: in association with your wife, I realize, but yes. I mean, like outside of that association. That's
1: right. So we live in a subdivision that. Um, does have an HOA and well, we became part of that HOA when we bought our house Mm, and I think our HOAs maybe are a little bit different. So some, well, usually HOAs, there's different structures and. Um, Are you part of an
0: HOA? I I am part of an HOA because I also live in a home in association with my husband, not your wife. That's right. But I am also in an HOA, and I do also live in a subdivision. It's a different subdivision than you live in. And um, yeah, I have had people ask me questions about our, my own HOA because they're my neighbors or my friends. And um, I also sometimes run into other folks, like my aunt recently asked me a question about her HOA. But I guess probably people start off with realizing that they're in an HOA because probably they get a bill. I just got a bill. It's January. I just got a bill for assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I always forget that that's coming and then it comes and I'm like, what am I paying for and why did I get this?
1: Right. And my HOA, actually, I don't get bills from my HOA. So mm. we'll, we'll get into those differences. But I think a, a question we we commonly get um, and maybe gets overlooked is what exactly is an HOA?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I think that that is that's always at the base of of that becoming aware that it exists you get the assessment or the letter about you leaving your trash cans out or something and you want to go what is this thing so what is what is this this thing other than a group of karens that we call an HOA Christopher
1: so HOA stands for homeowners association and generally the purpose is to own and maintain a certain real property um, within the subdivision. And oftentimes in connection with the owning and maintaining of common area, um, there's going to be assessments and costs and fees associated with that that are payable to from the members of that association, which are the homeowners themselves. Um, payable to the association that the association will use to repair and maintain that common area. And common area um, is what? It is generally pieces of land that are for the benefit and use of everyone within the subdivision. So I don't know, maybe you have some examples of common area that you could give us?
0: Sure, I mean, I guess I'm thinking Common area in a subdivision probably exists because the developer. So I'm assuming, in sort of a generic way, what happens is there's a big piece of land and it's a farm or something, and a developer comes along and is like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a neighborhood here." And so he, whoops, sorry about that. He uh, developer comes along and says, "I'm gonna build a neighborhood here," and he buys the farm and he wants to put in a bunch of streets, and he wants to put in a bunch of lots, and on each lot there's gonna be a house. But he probably needs to also um, leave some space open. So like in my neighborhood, I know we have two or three areas that are like water retention type areas. They're not really parks, they're just sort of open and water gathers at the bottom and but we do have a park as well
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um and of course we have roads that snake through the subdivision um but i would bet that those are probably city roads at this point but at least the pond areas that gather water the water retention areas and and the park
1: But if the roads were not public, they could be private and owned by the HOA.
0: Oh, that's true. My aunt lives sort of out of town. And her whole HOA is just one street, and it's a private street. And they don't have anything other than the road. But I know that she has to pay her assessment so that they can come and maintain that road. So, Right. How about you? In your neighborhood, do you guys have?
1: We do have common area. We have a park as well, a private park that is maintained. Um, we also have landscaping, some areas of landscaping kind of in the gate, uh, I guess, the entrance to the subdivision. There's where the subdivision sign is. There's some um, island landscaping that mm. is maintained by the HOA. And all of that is cost money. Yeah, And for the benefit of all the members in that subdivision. And so that would fall generally under the purview of the HOA.
0: And and I, I actually, now that we're talking about this, I'm remembering that I recently went to a baby shower that was in a clubhouse that was attached to a pool mm-hmm. that was in what sure looked like to be common area in a subdivision. So I'll bet you that was owned by the association and, and within their control too. So how would you know though, like if you first bought a house that there was common area and stuff like that in your subdivision?
1: Well, so first of all, you become, I think we, we discussed this too, but you're automatically part of that HOA even if right? I don't
0: sign anything or do anything I don't have to do anything to join
1: this is uh, a free trip for you <laughs>
0: <laughs> at first you
1: can get on you just can't you what's the uh, Hotel California sign yeah. you can check in but you can never leave never leave so that's like the HOA but yes by by owning a piece of property um, that is subject to uh, A declaration and plat, which we'll talk about here a little bit later, um, you become part of that HOA automatically, um, or at least you become a member um, by your ownership of that real property in the HOA.
0: And so, I mean, probably when I bought my house, my realtor gave me a bunch of stuff and I, I, I probably didn't read it as... Because, you know, I was busy and doing other stuff and living life and trying to buy a house. But I assume that all of this is, like, public record and you can go get it, right?
1: The Some of it is. Um, the So HOAs, I guess, are corporations. Most commonly, they are formed as nonprofit corporations. Hmm. Um, and so... Just like any, you know, there's LLCs, there's corporations, there's nonprofit corporations in your business world. That's very common, but you may not think that an HOA is an entity in and of itself, but it is in fact, usually formally created by oftentimes the developer of the of the um, the subdivision as a nonprofit corporation, and. Those nonprofit corporations are governed by certain documents, some of which are public record, including the articles of incorporation. That's the um, that's the initial document that is filed with the Secretary of State that creates the HOA or nonprofit corporation, and you know that's the uh, you know there's there's all the HOA names like. I don't know what mine is. Mine's, it could be.
0: Fair Acres Homeowners Association, Inc., Inc., something like that. Right. So when I see that, when I get a bill in the mail and it says Fair Acres Homeowners Association, Inc., then I know, oh, this is my HOA. This is the name of the corporation, the nonprofit corporation that it exists under. Um, so, and Usually it's called Fair Acres or whatever, because your subdivision is called Fair Acres or whatever. And so when the developer showed up and he was looking at this big field and he was thinking he was going to turn it into a neighborhood, that's when he did this thing called platting, right? That's right. And so just for our purposes here, can we summarize that to say that the what the plat really does there is it usually references the existence of a declaration mm-hmm. of the HOA to give people who would buy a lot in it notice that this this particular piece of property is what we call encumbered by a declaration which has certain conditions covenants and uh, restrictions or CCRs.
1: Yep. And that plat, I mean, it's a, uh, I don't know. I think when I bought my house, even though I'm an attorney, I don't think I read all the things that my realtor gave me. We just tell other people to read the things that their <laughs> That's realtor right. gives them. Um, but it's, you know, the plat is going to generally stand out in that it looks like a map. It looks like an aerial image with little squares. And each one of those little squares is, a lot in your subdivision, and that is public record. You mm-hmm. can pull that now, even if you lost it, or you know you can um, you can get a copy of that, and that will show you, like we were talking about earlier, where those common areas lie in your subdivision, and also tells you who who the members of that HOA may be. So you mean like
0: based on what houses in my neighborhood are drawn on this map?
1: Are drawn or on what, that map. Or
0: what lots anyway are drawn on this map and those are the people who are a part. Right. Okay, so if I wanna know about my HOA, then I can find my plat and I can do that in the public record, real property record mm-hmm. and I can uh, look up the articles which are on file Idaho Secretary of State. Um, what else would I need to know or what other documents might I want to have if I was digging into what is up with this HOA?
1: It's a good question. I think, you know, the, the easiest to get, like you said, are... Um, the plat, the articles, assuming you know the name of the HOA, which you could take a few stabs at based on where you live and what you hear from your neighbors. Um, you would also want to see if you could get a copy of the bylaws mm-hmm. and a copy of the CC&Rs. And so why don't we cover what's, oh, okay. I don't know, the difference between articles and bylaws.
0: So, well, I think probably the difference between articles and bylaws are they're just for our purposes here, rules that govern how the association is going to work. But if I'm somebody and I want to know why do these people care how tall my fence is or whether or not I can tear all the grass out of my front yard, (laughs) Mm -hmm. probably what I'm really looking for are those CCRs, right? So the Declaration of Covenants Conditions and Restrictions, which people commonly call the CCRs, so that will contain all sorts of stuff about how the property in the whole subdivision works is that right
1: that's right and i guess a question that that i have is okay as a homeowner i bought this lot um, this piece of property and now from what what i'm learning today effectively is that I can be automatically part of this HOA, but I didn't sign any declaration. Am I also bound by whatever's in that?
0: Mm. And I think that, I mean, barring some weird technical problems with the way it's all put together, uh, it depends <laughs> uh this famous lawyer answer, but yeah, probably you're stuck with, with whatever. So when you buy a piece of land, If there are already, let's just call them rules, that are uh, of record against that land, yeah, you're, you're stuck with what those rules say. So not only are you a member of this association for the benefit of the common area, but now you own your own house. Yes, it's your own house. Yes, it's your own yard. But it is subject to some rules Mm -hmm. and the rules commonly are enforced by the HOA, Mm -hmm. which is what leads us to our, my initial opening joke, because someone has to make sure everybody's abiding by those rules.
1: And the board of the HOA is usually kind of the responsible for the enforcement of those rules um, and they you know they're kind of charged with running the HOA and again that that kind of goes back to the bylaws so the articles create the corporation the bylaws kind of govern the day-to-day operation and the rules that the board has to follow with respect to the the HOA and then you know, kind of that third component is the declaration, which are the rules that the board is kind of charged with enforcing. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: so, if I if I am like, I want to put up a shed in my backyard, and I'm curious as to whether or not there's some rule that says I can or can't.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do I go looking for that?
1: So if you, if you still can dig up your old emails from your realtor or from your title <laughs> company, you may find your declaration in there. Right. Um, otherwise, but yes, those rules are going to be in the declaration if you can find it. And, you know, it's going to be a third, some are very short, but if you bought your house within, you know, if it's in a fairly new subdivision, it's going to be a 30 to 45 page document. And it's going to have a lot of tiny print on there that you may not want to read but that is what governs and there's typically sections in there that talk about um, restrictive covenants those are the rules and uh, I guess covenants are promises right that when you buy that that property you covenant or promise not to do certain things and that's going to be laid out In that declaration. And then there's probably also a section in there that talks about creation of the HOA. But back to the rules, yes. I mean, sometimes those restrictive covenant sections are very long and they're very particular. Mm -hmm. And some are, you know, you can do whatever you want unless you paint your house pink.
0: So, and speaking of... We have a neighbor in our HOA who recently painted their house purple, mm-hmm. which is amazing. It is it is a fantastic shade. <laughs> I I happen to be a huge fan of purple, but it is so purple that I actually stopped the car in the middle of the street and like laughed because it was, <laughs> like and this is going to cause problems. Yes. Yes. That's what I thought was. I thought this person probably has not read our declaration yep. and they are not aware of this thing called an architectural control committee.
1: It sounds very but intimidating, they're,
0: but they're about to. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wonder the ACC, the architect, Tool control committee or whatever you know those particular where do those what it just feels sometimes like the HOA has like all of this power mm-hmm. and like they can show up and and tell people they can't paint their house this beautiful violet purple what what is the deal with that where it's did that oppressive where did the ACC come from <laughs> what's going on
1: well um, it's a good question I think they, well, it's, it's created as a product of the declaration itself. It's going to say that, you know, the association has the either power or ability to create this kind of committee and they, it's called the architectural control committee and they're charged with generally, you know, dealing with this one particular component of the CCNRs, which are like the architectural standards for the community and they may enforce. You know how tall, how many stories you can have, what landscaping needs to look like,
0: whether or not your house can be lilac. (laughs) I think it might have been a lilac. That's
1: nice. Sounds nice. It was calming.
0: No, it was very pretty. It was, but I was was like, this is not going to stand, man.
1: (laughs) No. Yeah. So you know, you have to read those. You know, you have to read those CCNR. If you if you buy a house um, or you're on a board, um, you need to familiarize yourself with those restrictions. I mean. Most, day, I guess, most individuals read CCNRs or they buy into certain communities specifically because they either allow or disallow certain uses. And so these can be very important provisions for people.
0: Mm, this is like whether or not I can have a horse in my backyard, right?
1: No, my HOA does not allow chickens or goats.
0: Really? No chickens?
1: But I think I hear some <laughs> around in my neighbors. But... um The, you know, some hot topics are like trailers. Oh. um, Short-term rentals these days, we get a lot of questions. Broken down cars. Right. Mm -hmm. And colors of your house, really.
0: Yes. Okay, so I know that I forget that my HOA exists um, except for like three or four times a year. And when I'm aware of that... Usually it's January, because I got my assessment that says that I have to pay these people some money. Then I remember again around Easter, because they hold an Easter egg hunt in the park, and a sign goes up. Then they uh, put up a sign sometime in the middle of summer announcing that it is the yard sale weekend.
1: These sound very familiar. Do they?
0: Yes. (laughs) And so sometimes I also get this thing in the mail that says, please be on the board. Please, please, please come to the meeting. Please participate in this HOA. And uh, so if I'm new to the neighborhood and I I want to have some control over these rules and this architectural control committee and whether or not we have an Easter egg hunt. Mm. How do I know that, or what do I do?
1: If you want to be a, you know, an active member of your community, you can, I'm sure they will be happy to let you serve on the board of your HOA. But so as a corporation, Going back to what is an HOA, it's a corporation with a board of directors and it is governed by certain rules as to how you can become a director can on I that like HOA. Can I make
0: a living doing that? Are they gonna like pay me f- to be on the board of directors? No one make...
1: can pay anybody enough to be on, <laughs> on the board of directors of their HOA.
0: No, probably not. Right? It's probably volunteer. It's
1: volunteer, generally, yeah. Oh, that's. I dumb. know. So you have to do it out of the goodness of your heart.
0: Mm-hmm. Because I want to participate in this little neighborhood that we have all created together. And that's
1: right. So you could ask to be, you know, added to the slate of um, incumbent directors, um, and you know, depending on how good your cookies are that you deliver to your neighbors, (laughs) you could garner enough votes. Oh, Um, wait,
0: votes. So does that mean we're going to like have a meeting? Is there like, I think I see meeting notices. In fact, I think they put up a sign even that is like HOA meeting this weekend.
1: They're pleading for you to come. But yes, so, you know, there's going to be formal... As a corporation, um, you know there's going to be formal requirements, and one of those is holding a member meeting, and that needs to be at least once a year. And that's probably about all that you know most most HOAs can handle, unless there's some specific issue that arises, and you know they have to call a special meeting of the members to address something in particular. But yes, generally the board is elected once a year by the members, and that's what's gonna happen at that member meeting.
0: Hmm. And so then, I think when I get um, my notice of that annual meeting, it also has like a proxy card that says that they have to like get a certain number of people to respond, or else they can't even have a meeting. Um, so it sounds like it does depend on uh, the concept that we're all going to participate and that we're gonna make group decisions like in the good old democracy.
1: Right, well, yep, that I mean, there's a in. difference. Just had, to, had this come up on some issues the other day, but there's, you know, that word you may hear is a quorum. Um, a quorum is required to convene a meeting in a corporation context, so again, HOAs, nonprofit corporations, they're governed by certain rules. One of those is to have a meeting. You have to have a quorum of, of members, and you know your governing documents will set out what that is. But um, yes, generally, you know your members, as a as a part of that HOA, um, you're going to want to participate, and a proxy is one way that you can participate in a meeting without actually showing up. So you give your right to vote to either, you know, another member that's going to show or, you know, you kind of delegate your right to participate to somebody else. So you can still, you know, if you're going to go out, go out of town or, um, you can pre-vote, I guess you can vote by proxy, which means you kind of, hopefully they lay out some of the issues that may require your, your consent to, um. And you can vote that way.
0: So all this is being done according to the rules, the articles, the bylaws, the declaration, all of that. Is there other, like like Idaho law that HOAs should be aware of or members should be aware of that generally also controls the the way this should be done?
1: So there is the Idaho Nonprofit Corporation Act, which is... Just like that, that sets forth the the rules related to nonprofit corporations in general. So whether that's an HOA or whether that's um, you know the YMCA or any other nonprofit corporation that's formed in Idaho, they're going to be bound by those same kind of corporate governance rules that are set out in that act. And I think there's there's one more which maybe you can chat on.
0: Hmm, I think so. This was all the buzz uh, last year? Was it the year before? It might have been the year before. No, last year. Last legislative year. uh, We finally took, uh, uh, the legislature finally took the little bits of law that was sort of scattered around in Idaho code and put it all together. It wasn't really a change in what the law was, but they made it more easy to find. Mm -hmm. So it's called the Homeowners Association Act and it became effective last July. And uh, it is uh, also specific to some of the powers I think that um, HOA uh, boards can exercise because we are in a state where we highly value uh, property rights
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, uh, you know, have sort of a libertarianism bent toward, you know, letting folks do what they want to do with their land. And so the legislature has been kind of specific about some of the things that an HOA can't do.
1: That's right. And I suppose, you know, if, if you start getting in, so I guess to recap, um, you know, you've bought a house now, right you are you've done your due diligence as a homeowner and you want to find out you know what obligations you have as being part of this new community so you're going to pull your what you're going to look to see if you have an hoa
0: right so and then if if the word on the street is that you do you're going to maybe look for some articles and some bylaws. You're definitely going to want to find your declaration of CCRs. Mm-hmm. You're going to read that, and you're going to try to be a good neighbor and participate uh, when you can in the governance of the community association to which you belong.
1: Right, and I mean, it's it's a combination of, you know, kind of the the scope of rights, responsibilities. I mean, you really do have to look at all these documents as a whole, and part of our job, I think, as attorneys, and when we get questions, our first question or our first job is going to say, "Okay, well, what do your CCNR say? Or let's read the articles, bylaws, and CCNRs together, because you have to read them all together to get a good understanding of how your specific HOA is to function.
0: Yeah, Um, sounds thrilling.
1: But in addition to that, (laughs) you've got to look at these two statutes, right? Yeah. And so I think if, you know, I think the, um, none of these HOAs, you know, were employed because things don't, necessarily always run according to plan, and oh, there's always issues.
0: Sure. Now I always say nobody ever comes to a real estate attorney to just check in and see how things are going. It's always when something goes awry, so. Right. But maybe that's, maybe that's episode two. Right. If anybody ever had any questions about just the basics of HOAs, though, they'd be always welcome to contact us or another attorney.
1: Yep. If you, um, you know, and again, I think we, we do a lot of work for, and again, all these documents can be changed too, so typically that's where we get involved is if you decide you do want to be able to paint your house purple.
0: Mm, lilac.
1: Yeah, um, very calming, <laughs> soothing color that you really love and know all your neighbors will love. Um, you know, you can amend these documents, but there's some specific rules that relate to that. And, um, or if you're developing a property and you want to make sure that you either form the HOA correctly, um, draft the CCNRs tightly enough to make sure nobody can paint their house purple, Mm -hmm. lilac.
0: Right. It's so soothing.
1: Yeah. That, uh, (laughs) you know, that's what, that's what we do a lot. Yeah. And.
0: Well, we would welcome any calls on that and, uh. I think we'll try to do an episode two on some things that you ought to know if you're trying to run an HOA or set one up.
1: If you end up on the board, yeah, that'll be episode two. All right. Well,
0: Thanks for talking to me today, Christopher.
1: Thank you, Amy. Thanks for talking to me.